Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Thanks for joining uh, with us this morning through another live stream and through uh, another week of uh, having service this way. And so uh, our church's mission is to make Jesus the hero. That's our aim. That's our mission, not just as we preach and teach or do uh, worship, um, but in all of life, our aim and, and, and our goal is to make Jesus Christ the hero. We believe he's the one sustainable hero that we can place our hope into um, that can sustain the full weight of, of, of our hope. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's our aim. That's our goal. Uh, I want to say uh, a couple things before we dive in. Uh, one is that I just had a Zoom meeting with uh, with uh, some pastors from Acts 29 on Thursday evening, and it was a it was a long call, but it was also a really encouraging call to hear the many ways that God is working in the midst of COVID in in our churches and in our network right now. And so, just want to share one of those with you guys is that yes, this is a hard time and it's a troubling time, and and, and it's just uh, yeah, it, it's a trying time for for us to be in right now. But God is working through it, and, and Christ is doing amazing things to advance and further his kingdom. One of the big things was is, uh, uh, Mark South, who's uh, one of the pastors from a uh, church in Sparks, Nevada, said this, that right now their church is helping support a ministry called Awaken Incorporated, which helps women uh, transition out of sex trafficking and out of brothels. The brothels are closed right now, all of them. And so typically they, he said they'll get like one to two calls a month. And right now they're getting like 15 a week. And so they're able to take in these women, care for these women, share the gospel with these women. And so that's just like a tremendous thing that is going on right now. And, and even with COVID um, and, and everything that's going on is it's closed down the brothel so that uh, more, more women are being or two and hearing about the gospel right now. So it's something we can just be thankful for in the midst. I know that there's a lot more uh, than that. There's people that are tuning in and listening to the gospel and, and uh, that's, that have never heard the gospel, that don't normally attend church or feel comfortable sitting in a church. And I know that's some of you. So excited for that and excited to have you guys join us this morning. So we've been doing a minute in memes and we, we do some memes because we believe that uh, laughter is good for the soul. It's good medicine. So as someone who likes stand-up comedy, we, we have some memes we're going to share with you guys this week. I know that at some point, <clears throat> the wrath of memes is coming back to me because I threw Becca uh, Sankus under the bus last week. So I'm prepared for that. Um, but uh, here's, here's some memes for this week. So we just have a few for you. The first one is right now <clears throat> in the midst of COVID, we have uh, normal people and we have a guy... Is that the order you have, Nathan, right now? For gamers? No? All right. You know what? Let's, let's switch up our order. Can you jump down to where I'm at and work the other direction? Cool. All right. So we have a guy laying on his pillow crying. It says normal people. And then we have another guy who uh, looks like he's sitting on his couch and he's the happiest person in the world. And it says gamers because he just gets to sit inside and play video games all day. <clears throat> the next is a picture of an Amish guy, and it says, I'm as bored as an Amish electrician. So I, if you don't get that, sorry. <laughs> next one is when you're... <laughs> when you're <laughs> I'll tell you why this is even more funny to me. When your hair salon is closed, but your dog groomer has a cancellation is... Uh, I had a FaceTime call with Brian Wakefield yesterday, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to lie, the top of his head without the sides is looking real close and real similar, similar to this right now. So he's got a lot, a lot up top right now. So again, shots fired. I know I'm going to be paid back for that, but uh, yeah. So the last one is this. Uh, 
it it's, uh, says this, I'm worried about crime. So I asked my friend from Texas what I needed to defend my home. He said a nine millimeter, which we have on the uh, far left, uh, a couple clips, which we have right next to that, and a box of shells. I put it together quickly, still not sure how it's supposed to work though. And someone said, this is the difference between Texans and Oregonians. So that's it. That's our minute memes for you guys before we dive in and continue in our series of praying people. Let me say this, <clears throat> I understand that right now it is, uh, it is a difficult time for people. And so as we've talked about giving and we've talked about our, our COVID benevolence fund and that sort of stuff, I also recognize this, that for some of you guys, you are not able to give and you're, you're financially burdened. And so I don't want anyone to feel um, guilt or shame or anything in regards to giving. If you are able to give, then I would encourage you, please keep giving so, uh, so that we can keep preaching the gospel and so we can help take care of the people that are in a um, crisis and in a tough spot. And so if that's you and you're able to do that, then we encourage you to give. One of three ways. Um, you can give online uh, right now through, uh, through our, our, our online uh, tab. Just click give and you can give that way. There's, there's a box there that you can actually click uh, COVID benevolence. If you just want to give to that, 100% of the proceeds go to that. Um, but that's one way you can give. You can give online. You can also give to the ch church center app. And so if you're typically someone who gives cash, um, you can give that way. It's really simple. It's really um, just clear cut. So Church Center app, you can download that and give that way. Last is you can uh, give through our post office box, which is 41864, Eugene, Oregon, 97404. Make checks payable to GCC. And so uh, for those of you guys that have been given, thank you for your generosity. We've been able to help people out, like I've said, even been able to help our network out on a global level through uh, churches that are just in hard places. So thank you. We encourage you guys, if you're able to keep that up, please. So <clears throat> with that, we're going to dive in. A praying people this morning, a praying people part six, we're going to be wrapping it up. And so this is going to be it for uh, our time that we've been spending walking through the Lord's prayer and looking at this. And so we're going to be wrapping it up here, which leads, where are we going next? Next week, we're going to be jumping back into saints and society. So we didn't know how long this was going to happen and how long COVID was going to be going on for, but uh, it's still going and we want to continue in our series in first Corinthians. So next week, we're going to be in first Corinthians uh, chapter seven. I want to say this that if you have children and you're not ready for them to hear about sex or have those sort of conversations, then, then maybe go back and watch the live stream video by yourself later. Because as we dive back in, we're going to be looking at saints in society. And we're going to be looking at the saints in regards to marriage, sex, and singleness. And so we'll be in chapter seven for the next few weeks. But the first chapter are the first few verses in chapter seven are dealing with that. So we don't want to force that conversation. We don't want to force that upon you if you're not ready to have that conversation with your children. So maybe just uh, tune in after the fact and watch the, the video later. So this morning, please turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, one verse, verse 13, as we conclude the Lord's prayer. Matthew chapter six, verse 13. <clears throat> I'll read it and then we'll... Pray and dive in. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we pray that this morning that um, we would not be led into temptation, uh, that we would not um, e even give ground to temptation. We'd be people that flee from it, that run from it. We'd be uh, uh, a children that, uh, that run to Christ, um, that run to you, Father. Um, I pray that, uh, that our... Um, way that we wage war against it is through the gospel, is through our identity in Christ, through your word, through prayer, through community. And we pray this morning you would encourage us. 
I pray this morning, Father, you would help me to remember that I'm not preaching to a camera, but to people. I pray that your spirit would speak to me and through me this morning, but would speak to us and minister to us and remind us of the gospel. I pray that you would convict us, Spirit of God. And I pray that you would take us to Christ. I pray that through the preaching this morning that I would decrease Jesus and that you would increase. I pray that, Father, you would be glorified. And I pray truly, please, that you would use this time to to encourage us, to edify us, to equip us, to speak to us. And we thank you that you do. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The main point this morning is going to be run, child, run. So three words, run, child, run. And so I'm taking that from a very popular movie, Forrest Gump. And there's a, there's a, a great scene in that movie where Forrest is being uh, attacked by these three bullies and he's with Jenny and he still has his leg braces on and so he's not able to, to run fast and they're throwing rocks at him. They're just being cruel. And then so she just starts saying, run, Forrest, run. And she says that multiple times, run, Forrest, run. And, and so that's what he does is he starts running and he starts running so fast that eventually the braces tear off and he, and, and he just keeps going. And he's telling this story to a lady after, uh, after uh, um, the, the, the incident when he's grown up on a park bench and, uh, and, and he says right after that, he's, he says, and you wouldn't believe it if I told you, but he's like, I could run like the wind. And, and then he says, and from that day on, he said, anytime I wanted to get somewhere, I would run. And that's, that's my best Forrest Gump impersonation, but that's, 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 to run. And so um, the, the problem for force is this, is we're not just called to run from something, we're called to run to someone. Or, uh, and so if we're just constantly running, as you see later on in the movie, he just gets up one day, he's, he's going through some hardships in his life, and he just starts running, and he just keeps running, but he's running aimlessly. Christians aren't called to run aimlessly. We're actually called to run from something, but run to Christ. And so we're going to see, unless we understand that, and unless we're called, or unless we see that we're called not just to run from, but to run to Christ, we will get tired, we will get exhausted, and we will be running aimlessly. And so the main point is those three words, Run, child, run. And so we're going to look at first that we run from something, but then we're going to look that we run to something, okay? So, so running from and then running to. But real quick as a recap for where we're at in uh, Matthew's gospel is this, is that uh, Jesus is teaching the greatest sermon, the greatest seminary class ever on prayer. And here's the just beauty of it. Is it so simple that a child can understand it, but it's so rich and complex that you could spend the rest of your lives exploring the deep theology that is in it. And so as, as we've said in weeks prior, he first says, here's how you don't pray. And then he gives us, here's how you pray. And it starts with father, with this relationship, with an identity, not a fickle father who's up and down, but a constant father. We have an identity as children. And then Jesus takes us on this prayer journey and this prayer walk to, to teach us how to pray, to lead us how to pray. And he takes us to the infinite nature of God who's transcendent and above all. But he also takes us to the holiness of God. And, and uh, Ronnie Gogan shot me a text the other day uh, that, that said this, that uh, Christ went more boldly to the cross than many Christians do to the throne room of grace. And so we'd understand this, that God's holiness is not something we can approach uh, without Christ, but because Christ has made us holy in the sight of God, we can run into the throne room of grace. Next, uh, we, we, we see that he's uh, telling us to pray that your kingdom come and your will be done. So in other words, dismantle the, the little kings in our lives, destroy the things that we worship, uh, worship even if that process is painful. And, and in the way that you've won Christ, uh, uh, and in the way that you're reigning, reign in every area of our heart and of our lives and of our city, of in the culture you've placed us, but around the world. And so he's teaching us, pray this way, because this is not something that God needs to be reminded of. But again, it's good for our soul to just focus on these rich and deep 
theological truths. And then he takes us to need, give us this day our daily bread, as Bronnie talked about. That's our spiritual need ultimately for Christ to be our everything, to, to quench our thirst, but also to satisfy our hunger. Next is to our greatest need. We need to be forgiven of our sins against God. We need to be supplied with the righteousness of Christ. We need that. And so uh, we need our shame and our guilt removed. And so he, he provides our greatest need in that. But now he's also closing out with this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so the word temptation here, if you look, actually means trial or test. And so Jesus is saying, pray like this. Pray that you would not be led into any sort of trial or test, which is quite interesting. Why is Jesus saying that you wouldn't be led into any trial or test? Well, we see this from Proverbs, which we have a slide for up on your screen. It says this. This is what Solomon says. He says, two things I ask of you, praying to God, deny them uh, not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Where, uh, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. And so we, we should pray not to be led into temptation, into tests and trials, into anything that is going to lead us to deny or reject Jesus. And that's our definition for temptation today. Anything that is leading us to reject Christ. Again, I'll say anything that is leading us to reject Christ would be temptation. So Jesus is teaching us to pray this way. Uh, whether if it's, if it's a uh, trial or any sort of test for some of us, that could be prosperity. If, if having a, a multitude of riches is going to lead us to reject Christ because we'll put our trust in riches, then we should pray that we're not led into that. But if also poverty is going to lead us to a place of despair, then we should play, pray that we are not led into that as well. And that um, anything, anything that, that is going to lead us to reject Christ, we pray would be um, removed and not something that we'd be led into. But we have to understand this as well, is that in this life, we will have trials, we will have tests, and we will have tribulation. John 6. We also understand that in James, he says in chapter one, that we should rejoice when we face trials of various kinds. So what should we do? Rejoice in trials, avoid trials. What we should do is pray that we would not face trials and that we would not face temptations that would lead us to reject Christ. But we should also know that when we do, what we have is a greater deliverer that we can run to. What we have is someone who has faced every trial and temptation perfectly in our place. And what we should do is what we should realize is that we can run child to God and to Christ any moment. In order to, to, I feel like, do any sort of justice to this text here, we need to actually go back two pages or a, a couple chapters before this to Matthew chapter four. So if you're uh, using a digital screen, then uh, I believe that scrolling down will get you back to Matthew chapter four or in, in your Bibles, uh, flip back to Matthew chapter four and let's look there. Matthew chapter four. Again, Jesus is saying, pray like this. Pray that we are not led into temptation. Temptation is something that will lead us to reject Christ. Um, and so where, where better to look than Jesus being tempted himself? And so that's what we're going to look at right now. I'm not going to walk through this verse by verse. Um, you guys can go back and read this. I'm going to use some supportive text today to explain what Jesus is praying here. One of those is Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and the other one is, is John chapter 21. And so, um, but let's just look at this. Because Jesus is saying, hey, pray. Pray that you will not be led into temptation so we would understand that we need to run. We need to flee from temptation. 
um, Paul uses language, strong language, when he tells Timothy. He says in Timothy 2, uh, 22, to run, to flee. He also says in Romans 13, 14, uh, to not give any sort of way uh, um, to the flesh. In other words, provide no provision for, for the flesh. Starve the flesh. Don't, don't give any grounds for temptation. So when, when it comes to temptation, we should run, we should flee, we should get the heck out of there like we see Joseph do in the Genesis story. But what we have is this, and this is so important. I don't know how prosperity gospel preachers will preach right now, but what blows me away about the prosperity gospel is what do you do with all synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that at the very beginning, right after the words, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We have Jesus, perfect and obedient in every way, getting baptized, coming up out of the water, and God singing delight over him. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately after that, you would think Jesus will run off skipping into fields of flowers, just glistening with glory because of what's been declared for him. That's not what happens. We, we, we can think, man, I'm a good person. Good things should happen to me. Here's the obedient, perfect son of God who God's singing praise over. And immediately what happens after this verse is he's thrust out into the wilderness where he is starving, where he is probably tired and where he is tempted. Now, God is not tempting him. Scripture makes that clear as well, but he is still being tempted. And this is so important for us to see because oftentimes we, we can tend to believe, uh, and this is not something new, but we can tend to believe that, uh, that, that, that a trial in our life is, is there because we've done something bad. And, and that bad things only happen to bad people. But here we have Jesus Christ who was perfect going through a trial. We see this with Job's friends, right? Because as soon as something happens in Job's life, his friends come along and start telling him to see, like, maybe you've done some bad things. Also with the blind person in John's gospel, the, the disciples are asking him, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so we, we tend to believe a really bad theology. And so first we need to run from bad theology. A bad theology, I would say, is like a Joe Dirt theology. We have a, a, a slide for that. Bad theology is Joe Dirt theology that we need to run from, that, that, that good things always happen to good people. That's like a prosperity style of gospel. Joe Dirt says this. He says, all I got to do is keep being a good person. No matter what, good things are going to come my way. Everything's going to happen for me just, just as long as I never have no in my heart. And so Joe Dirt's theology leads him to say that as long as I'm a good person, good things are going to happen to me. But the, but the gospels blow this up right at the beginning because Jesus, the perfect person, is thrust into the wilderness where he's tempted by the enemy. Okay, run from temptation. Who better to look for than how we deal with temptation than Jesus Christ himself, who runs from it perfectly, who flees from it perfectly. But we need to look at this temptation and see what it looks like to run from it. And we need to see the same enemy that's been around on this earth for thousands of years still uses the same bait. He's, he, he, he knows what our longings are. He, he knows what our bait is. So he sets the bait on the hook and waits for us to take it. The same bait that is used here is the same bait that is used on Eve in the garden. It's food. It's something simple. It's a physical need. And, and so what happens is this, uh, uh, Satan says, hey, here's a stone. Turn this stone into bread. And so instantly Jesus is being tempted. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and he's tempted by a physical need, not something bad. And we need to understand this, that oftentimes we need to run from making uh, or from the temptation to make good things into God things. So we are running from the temptation to make a good thing into a God thing. Notice he doesn't slide a massive bowl of, 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 of drugs or something like that in front of him. It's just a physical need, right? 
And oftentimes it is us turning good things into God things that we need to run from. And so there's, there's also a sin underneath the sin. What is he doing? Notice what he says to him. He says, if you are the son of God, so he goes after his identity. If you, if you are actually God's son and he actually is pleased with you and he actually does love you, then just command these stones to turn in some loaves and bread. So what does he do? We, we, we have to see this. He's actually calling him to question God's character, to question whether God's loving, but he's calling Jesus to be selfish. He's, Jesus has never done a selfish act and he's telling him, hey, you're God's son. You deserve this. You deserve good things. You're a son of God. Just turn this into, into some bread and take care of yourself. You do you. You deserve this. You're a son of God. You, you deserve this. What we have to see is that what we need to do is run from things that, that, that might look small. We need to run from sins that look respectable. We need to run from things that, that look small, little acts of selfishness or, 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 or just things that look and appear to be small because after sins like this, after we give way to temptation, then it creates a snowball effect and something gets rolling and moving that is really hard to stop. And so what he's actually doing is just, he, he, he just kind of inching in a little bit, just a little bit of selfishness just a little bit of this. And that's oftentimes what, what, what we have to run for is first identifying the things that we see as respectable small sins. And, and, and honestly, uh, uh, Jerry Bridges uh, wrote a book called Respectable Sins. And, and what he's saying is that uh, what we typically do is we focus on these big, big things. And then what we neglect is impatience, anger, self-control, gossip. But he goes grumbling, discontentment, complaining, and in fact, C.S. Lewis says something amazing in, uh, in The Great Divorce. He says this, again, this is what happens when we don't run from the small things. He says, hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It is not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing, which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. That's, that, that's, that's C.S. Lewis saying that, that, that the small grumbling and complaining that, that we go, that's not that big deal. Um, these are just small things. They're not that big of a deal. It's just a loaf of bread. It's just a small physical need. It's just a picture. It's just an image. It's just something small that given way will grow and grow. And in all of us, there's something being fed. And either it's these small sins or either it's Christ. And so what first we see is that we need to run from even the things that we would see as small, respectable things. Jerry Bridges says this, if I complain about the difficult circumstances in my life, I impugn the sovereignty and goodness of God and tempt my listener to do the same. Again, complaining, grumbling, discontentment, all these things we go, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone does it. it, it it's just part of life. Is that's, those are the things in us that can grow and grow and grow and grow. Next, as we jump down, we see the next temptation that comes from the enemy. And it's, if you are the son of God, again, he goes after this, um, this identity. Throw yourself down. Uh, for it is written, he will command his angels uh, concerning you and, and they, they will lift you up, they will carry you. So, so Satan comes at this point, he's like, just go all in. 
In, in, in other words, this is the urge for, for, for Christians and for the temptation. Just go all in. If God loves you, go all in. Dive headfirst. Go, go, go just, just all in with whatever your sin is. And that's the temptation. It starts with something small, small that we don't run from. It starts with, it's just flirting. It's just, it's, it's just an emotional thing. It, it, it's just this. It's something small that, that, that we're not running from. We're not fleeing from. We're, we're not abandoning it. And I'm sorry for this imagery. This is, this is really gross, but I'm just going to do it anyways. Is yesterday, yesterday or the day before, I went into our kitchen where our foster son was taking a bath in our sink. And, uh, and I, I turned the corner and I came in there and... <laughs> And I, and I looked in the sink and he was there taking a bath and, uh, and, and sorry, but he was holding one of his turds and there were two other ones inside of the sink with him. Okay. So just hang in there with me. Uh, you would have thought that I just walked into like a, a horrific homicide scene. And I would like to tell you that what I, I was so composed. I took a couple deep breaths and said, we got this. But my first response <laughs> was to turn and run and scream for my wife and scream her name so that she came down and she dealt with it. I'm not worthless. Like I'll change a diaper and stuff like that. But in that moment, my, what I did is I saw that. I don't do well with that sort of stuff. I saw that and, and I turned and I ran. I was like, I, 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 don't, I don't do that. I don't play with that. I ran from that. And the reality is, is unless we have that same kind of mindset when it comes to temptation, when it comes to sin, and we are seeing something that gross and that awful and turning and running, getting the heck out of there, then something's going to, to, to continue to grow in our lives. Again, great theologian David Mathis says this. He's, he's, he's saying that sin, uh, that temptation is not sin, but, but he, this is what he says. For the sake of truth and good conscience, we distinguish temptation from sin. And for the sake of holiness and joy, we do not separate them. And so we pray not only against our sins, but our temptations. So again, we are praying that we would run from these things. Last, the enemy comes in, Satan comes in and is like, just skip the identity stuff. He, he's like, he, he takes Jesus up on a high place. He's like, hey, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Bow down and worship me and I will give you all this. And so what he goes after is worship because what we all long for is for ourselves to be worshiped. And so he's going to him at this point and saying, look, you see all this? All this can be yours. And the reality is that's where sin leads us, but that's uh, what sin leads us from, is that we desire to worship, to, to, to worship something else, but also to be worshiped. Uh, it's not that Peter was afraid of a, of, of a little girl. It's that Peter denied Jesus because of the fact he was led into the t temptation be, uh, of, of wanting people's approval. He, he wanted social acceptance. And this is something that, that also came up in Peter's life again later. But that's what happens is we are led in and, and the enemy pulls us into to now we can full blown just become worshipers of ourselves. Whatever we want, whatever we desire, this is what, this is what you can have. This is what you need, which is why we get mad at people whenever we're not given the praise that we think that we deserve is because we'd long and desire to be worshiped. And so we need to run from these things. We need to, to, to flee from these things. And if we flip back to chapter six in Matthew, there's the second part of the prayer. So the first, lead us not into temptation. So we need to run from this. I mean, just get out of there. That's what Jesus is, is teaching us to pray. Just Lead us not into this. But the next is, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. So what's going on? If we just left it here today, here you have it. Run from temptation. 
Here's a model by Christ. Who, who else is a, is, uh, would be a better model, a perfect model than, than Jesus Christ himself? So there you have it. Let's wrap up the sermon. Flee from temptations, run from temptations, and, and, and go out and do your best to run from temptations. Then we are all damned and we are all hopeless because the reality is, is that we do not flee and run from temptations. And so what do we do? We need to run to a deliverer. Deliver us from evil. We need to run to Christ. We don't just need a moral example on how to live our lives what we actually need is a moral perfect sacrifice and substitute on the cross for us. We need Jesus to go down and lay down his life as the test keeper who passed all the tests that God ever uh, gave him in complete obedience and to lay down his life as a sacrifice for those of us that fail temptation daily and, and that don't run from it, don't flee from it, but actually run toward it and step into it. We need his sacrifice on the cross. We need to deliver. We need whenever the enemy comes into our lives to tempt us and tell us that there's no way God loves us, we need to tell him, Remember this, that Christ said it is finished, that he has triumphed, that, that he has crushed you, that you've been smashed, and Christ is reigning uh, um, um, glorious now from heaven, seated at the right hand of God. We need that. We need that sort of deliverance. And so that's the response. That's what we need to pray. We, we need to pray that we would run from something, but we also need to pray that daily that the spirit of God would help us to run to our deliverer. And here's the thing. We need to be like Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, but then what happened after Jesus resurrected is, is, is like one of my favorite things is he recognizes that it's Jesus. And then John's gospel says this, uh, John likes to throw on. He's like, yeah, we were just like a hundred yards from shore. We could have just uh, docked the boat and Peter could have got there. And what does Peter do? He throws on his cloak and he jumps in and he starts swimming and he starts running to Jesus. Why? Because Peter now knew and understand who Christ is and what Christ has done and, and that he was the one who had delivered him, who had reconciled him, who had forgiven him. So now what Peter does is doesn't run from Christ. He's actually running to Christ. He's running to the one who is his deliverer, who is his redeemer, who is his forgiver, who loves him. Peter understands now he is not his denial. He is not his actions. He is not his words. He is not his deeds. He is not his thoughts. Neither are we when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. We are Christ's deeds, his, his words, his actions, his thoughts, everything that he's done. That is my confidence that's my hope. And unless I run to him, I'm going to be running to everything else in life with, with exhaustion. I, I'm going to get exhausted. A theme in Joshua and Judges is this, that the Lord provides rest. The, the Lord alone provides rest. When we run to Christ, Christ gives us rest because we rest in his per forgiveness. We rest in his love. We rest in what he's finished. We rest in what he's accomplished. And here's the thing. We will be tempted constantly to either believe our hearts or believe our emotions or believe what the word of God says that Christ has done, accomplished, and finished. And, and we need to run from that and run to what God's word says. We need to run to Christ. Notice also this, and we will end here is notice the questions that Jesus asked Peter. Jesus doesn't ask Peter, do you feel bad for your sins? Do you, do you have self-pity? Do you, do you, do you hate uh, that you got caught? Do you hate what people think about you? No, Jesus doesn't ask that. He asked him the same three questions three times. Do you love me, Peter? Why? Because here, here, here's the reality. As Matt Russell's best friend and longtime mentor Matt Chandler would say, we, we have to have a frontal assault to temptation and to sin. A frontal assault. But then we have to have a flank assault. The frontal assault is this, is that you will never run from temptation and run to Jesus unless you have a genuine love for Jesus. You will do what Satan was tempting Jesus to do. And that's run 
Run from the cross. Don't deny yourself uh, uh, glory. Don't empty yourself of glory. Don't go to the cross for these people. Just, just here, I'll give it all to you now. And that's our daily temptation, not to run to Jesus and not to run to the cross. To what? To satisfy us and be our everything, but also to know that he has paid for everything as well. And so, unless we have this genuine love for Jesus, that's the only thing that's going to drive us to run to him. That's the only thing that's going to lead us to run from the enemy. And so, when we say run, child, run, we're, we're running from, but we're running toward. And unless it's a love for Jesus, it's not a love for rules. It's not a love for obedience. It's not a love for your purity. He didn't say love these things. He said, do you love me? Because if we have a genuine love for Jesus, then what we will do is delight in him and run toward him. So we need to pray that the spirit of God would give us this. That's the first thing. We will only have this love for Jesus when we understand his, his, his immense, infinite love for us. That's, that's our frontal assault. The other frontal assault is the word of God. Because notice, every time that, uh, that Jesus was confronted, he confronted back with his very own words that he authored and wrote himself. So he, he didn't think that he needed something else other than the word of God. So our other frontal salt, know the word, know what the word says about God and about who you are in Christ. Next is prayer. Jesus is teaching us on prayer. He tells his enemies when they're tempted, pray so you will not fall. In, or, um, he, he tells his disciples, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Prayer is a frontal. Community. We need community. We need community to step in and say, hey, stop it with this relationship. Hey, stop moving forward with this. Hey, this isn't going to end well. Don't, 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 don't play with this. Treat it like the bathroom sink experience and run and get the heck out of there. Get away from this. Run from this, but run to Jesus. I promise he's better. I promise the relationship you long for. I, I, I promise the forgiveness, the grace, everything he has is better than the worldliness or whatever it is that you're trying to satisfy your life with. We need community to do that. And here's our flank assault. Our flank assault is this, is that uh, for some of us, it's to get off social media. For men, for lustful reasons, but women for competitive bitterness and envy reasons just as equally. Um, but again, that's a flank assault. I'm not saying you need to do this, but for some people, that might be the best thing. Um, uh, it, it might be downloading uh, software for your computer programs. Um, it, it's, it's also getting enough rest sleeping, taking a nap. Um, I would move back to frontal and say having a Sabbath is actually a frontal assault for uh, uh, fleeing from temptation and falling into sin. Um, but some of these flank assaults are just very practical things. Um, eating healthy, getting enough sleep, those sorts of things. But um, what we need to do is ultimately is know that we need to run from and flee temptation, sin, and evil, and we need to run to Christ. And as we run to him, he will satisfy our souls. He will satisfy our longings. And how do I know that? Because God himself will not lie and his word promises that he will do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for your truth, and for technology to get to preach and teach the gospel. Let us not flirt with temptation. Let us not flirt with things in our life. Let us instead run from those things and run to Jesus every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.